Welcome to episode 29 of the Cincy Postcast. Oh boy, we are one away from 30, eh? Well, no, this is a uh, this is a awesome chock full episode. Uh, part one, we're talking San Jose. We're talking Brenner's hat trick, Roman's first half. You know, just all of those fun, exciting things that happened last week. In part two. Folks, it's fun to watch MLS games. Isn't that weird? We're we're talking about what to root for this weekend. What is, uh, what does it feel like to actually be in this playoff race? And then in part three, we're talking a little U.S. men's national team. Brandon Vasquez snubbed the worst kits to be seen in a while, and uh, a few other things sprinkled in there. I think there's a long diatribe on Oktoberfest to start us off. I think you're gonna enjoy episode 29. And joining me to talk about all of that, we've got just the chief and I. It's it's the sequel to the hit musical we did last week. Uh, we're going back to back Friday drops of episodes, but uh, I mean, chief, it's it's Oktoberfest weekend. How are we feeling? I love Oktoberfest weekend. Um, and I have this like really <laughs> hot take that we don't do Oktoberfest big enough in Cincinnati that. Mm that we really were half we're half assing it right now. And I know that bothers okay. people in this town that think that like Oktoberfest Cincinnati is this big thing. Look, I went to college down in New Orleans and I spent several <laughs> years down in New Orleans. And let me tell you what Mardi Gras is like down in New Orleans. All the locals <laughs> get the hell out of town to free up all the space for people coming in and it is just a it's weeks of partying, but really, like, if you just talk about, like, Bat Tuesday that weekend, <laughs> yeah. it's everything runs 24 hours, everyone's drunk 24 hours, and then what they don't tell you is that at the stroke of midnight on Fat Tuesday, everything shuts down, because that would be, if you know your religion, <laughs> the start of oh, Lent. yeah. So all the bars that are usually open 24 hours the rest of the time, they all shut their doors, the cops come through on horseback, <laughs> and they push everyone out, and if you're in the way and you're you're you know, fucked up on Bourbon Street, they will drag your ass to the drunk tank and you'll sit and wait for arraignment. That's like a get the hell out of there. We're all done here. You've partied long enough. Please get out. <laughs> That's what I want Oktoberfest in Cincinnati to be like. I want it to start on Friday and I want it to run 24 hours until Sunday at midnight where every bar in the city is open round the clock, where there's music happening downtown round the clock. And that the various breweries have events and the bars have events and there's food and every hotel room in a hundred mile radius is sold out by people trying to get downtown. All the locals are offering up their houses as Airbnbs because people from around the country come to <laughs> Oktoberfest. It's a drunken mess. And then at a, the stroke of midnight on Sunday, everything shuts down. You had your fill of Marzen and get out. And I, I just think the city should just embrace this way more than it is because it's almost almost six months calendar time between this and Mardi Gras. So this yeah. can kind of be like the tick-tock with Mardi Gras in New Orleans, Oktoberfest in Cincinnati, and those are your two biggest drunken bashes of the year. About six months away from St. Patrick's Day, too. So it's like you can have one day every half of the year to get completely shit-faced, and you just go to Cincinnati for one, you go to New Orleans for the other one, or you go to Boston for St. Patrick's for the other one. I think I, we could do this yeah. so much better than we do it. I'm way, way into this idea. I'm a big believer 
in holidays. This is a very strong, you know, a strong opinion I have. I, I don't think we have enough holidays in general. We don't do enough events in general. So I'm way in on this. So let me pitch this idea. Way, way back, I think in episode two of the old postcast here, we Call pitched Bachfest being the ceremonial opening day of FC Cincinnati. Should FCC not pitch to the league that our final home game of the year always line up with Oktoberfest and our first home game is Bachfest, assuming that they can get that to work most years. Yeah, I mean, assuming you don't end like the season on the road for like the last four games right, and you really just right. torpedo your playoff chances. No, I, I'm of the opinion that this should be a weekend FC Cincinnati goes dark. That like Ooh, we have this weekend okay. off, the entire team is in town to be part of Oktoberfest festivities. <laughs> I love this. Like yes. that they have like a big ass Oktoberfest parade or something like that. Kind of like the Finley Market Parade. And the team is a part of that. And like the Reds should go dark this weekend. I know the NFL will never let them do it. But like they should shut this city down for Oktoberfest. Like everyone's off school on Friday. All the businesses shut down on Friday. The courthouse shuts down. The, the offices at City Hall shut down. And it's just understood this. that everyone in the city is annihilated drunk. If you're still here, you're annihilated drunk this entire weekend. If you're not still, if you're not going to do that, get out of town, find a flight literally anywhere other than here and make room for the people that want to party. I think you imagine how much money that would bring in downtown if they were just serving beer round the clock or how much money they'd make at the, uh, the courthouse. If they're arresting people oh. and holding them for the weekend and they have to pay bond money or bail money to get out on their drunken disorderly conduct charges. Like you could fund the entire city operations for the rest of the year just off the money you collect doing Oktoberfest stuff. Oh yeah, no, you you. I mean, to to give into the anti car lobby, you know, you you start making huge swaths of the city pedestrian only. And you start ticketing and towing cars. Oh, you make so much cash on this. Uh, let me ask you this. I know I know a lot of a lot of podcasts like to do a Mount Rushmore. I saw somebody post on Reddit, uh, which your Mount Rushmore of uh, FC Cincinnati players. An idea we've been kicking around for a while. So I'll ask you this. What are your three DPs of Oktoberfest beers? And I'll let you go local <laughs> or national, wherever you're going with this. Oh, hell. Um, I'll keep it local. Three designated players of my designated <laughs> beers. The beers you can break the salary cap for. No TAM yeah. beers allowed. <laughs> All right. You've you, you got a cooler full of domestics, but these right. are the three that sit on top. These are the, the three that are going to really drive the roster forward and really make you your money. All right. So. I, I know it's cliche, but you got to go Sam Adams Oktoberfest. I think it's it's just it's, it's really macro. good. It's really good. Here's the reason why everyone drinks it. It's really really good. <laughs> it's it's incredible. Like I look forward to it every year coming out. You know, like people get mad. They're like, oh, you know, like Christmas decorations go too up too early, or that you know, or that the the spirit Halloween opens up way too. It is never too yeah. early to bring the Sam Adams Oktoberfest out. So that's yes. that's one yes. designated player right there. That's that's an easy call. That's your first DP. Second DP, um, keeping it local, Ryan Geis Franz. 
Rheingeist Franz it's, is it's it's yep. incredible beer, and it's it's insane because the only thing Rheingeist can do really is make the same IPA and just change the can <laughs> label over and over again. So it's like this is truth. This is also truth, but called Andromeda. This is also truth, but it's called like Uncle or some shit like that. Like super but, truth. Yeah, yeah. Like truth. This one's called Knowledge, but it's also just a danker IPA. <laughs> Um, but Rheingeist Franz is great beer. It's a great IPA. It's fantastic. Uh, my third DP of Oktoberfest beers, I would probably say, um, that's a tough one. I really like, uh, October fuel from Braxton. I like Ooh, that a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I'm going to give it out to, uh, to uh, Northern Row does an Oktoberfest called Brewer. And here's why I make it my third DP. With a, a DP, Ooh. what are you looking for out of a DP? DP's got to show up every day of the week. He's got to be there. Yep. Um, he's got to, you know, you can't, your DP can't <laughs> let you down or take games off. And what I love about Northern Row's Oktoberfest, available year-round. No matter yes. what time of day you go to Northern Row, they'll serve you an Oktoberfest beer. And I think that should be the, the game plan for every brewery. You should always be able to go in and get a stout, and an Oktoberfest beer at every single brewery. So those are my three DPs of Oktoberfest. Where are you at? I like it. You know, honestly, the only thing I would I would swap out, and I, I believe me, I love me some Northern Row. Uh, if people know my my story with them, I, I'm a big fan. But uh, I, the one change is I'd swap them out for Taft's Oktoberfest. I I've always enjoyed that one. Uh, but I have to say, so I am a uh, I'm a part of what we call a book club, uh, where we refer to our beers as books and. <laughs> There so going is, out to do some reading is a little <laughs> yes yes there yeah. there is no pretense that there are books there. <laughs> yes there, there's no pretense that there are books uh, it is just called book club and the beers are referred to as books but the idea is every meeting it happens once a month you cannot bring a book that has been brought before and this has been going now for seven or eight years hasn't missed oh a month and <laughs> oh it gets attended by any anywhere from six to 20 guys every month so it's a huge huge list and do you keep like a spreadsheet going on to make yes. sure that nobody's okay yeah i figured it's, you'd have, have to we have a lovely <laughs> google sheet that is maintained it has that's the other thing too we take we do take it seriously everybody reviews every beer every meeting and then we keep a cumulative <laughs> score of how all of these beers went so you can go back and give a nice you know local repository of like you know your own like beer advocate or whatever yeah, when, um, if grace ever decides to come back we should definitely <laughs> do that here where we just start drinking at the start of the show and by the end of it we're just unintelligible and we just you know click stop on yes. the record midway through <laughs> but it'd be like we're reviewing some obscure 20th century pre-prohibition cocktail or something like right that yeah him. no it's grace and he'd have like a cheese pairing to go with it i'm sure yes of course of course right um so each month it is themed and sometimes the theme is as simple as like I don't know, March Madness. And it's like, I don't know. If you can find a beer from a state that has a team in it, you're fine. People aren't sticklers for the uh, for the theme. Uh, but there was one time the various obvious theme of Oktoberfest uh, beers was picked. It was around this time. And we had 13 guys show up, all with Oktoberfest beers. And by the third or fourth Oktoberfest beer, you can no longer distinguish between <laughs> any of the Oktoberfest beers. 
And, and seriously, we're all looking around the table at each other because, you know, we take four beers and we split it up across everybody. So you're only drinking a couple ounces of every beer. Right. But it, it becomes a slog after a while if you're not enjoying it. And, like, the fifth Oktoberfest comes out and we're all looking around like, do we actually have to go through <laughs> with this? Like, are we the betraying all of our... <laughs> yeah you know it what was, the thing is though you were sick uh, of it right then but give it another month and it's like man i miss oktoberfest beer yes that's exactly what <laughs> happened but it was just like the day up it was like i don't want to drink this ever again and then yeah the next weekend you're like you know it'd be really nice on this back porch right now <laughs> yeah because the, if there is one downside to the oktoberfest beer is that like by coming out in september and august you really do miss the premium season for oktoberfest which yep. is Round the fire, cool, crisp fall night. Ah, I'm going to go get a beer right now. Yeah. I might need to pause this for a second. Oh. <laughs> ah, FC Cincinnati, huh? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's – I'm trying to think of a good Oktoberfest tie-in to that just absolute beatdown. I don't have one. We have no, you to don't talk need, about this. You score six goals. You don't need to do a transition. You can just be, wow, that was an ass-whipping. <laughs> Where was that all year? I I mean, we've been missing that. We saw glimpses of it versus New York City. We saw glimpses of it versus Philadelphia. And I'd even argue the Philadelphia game was probably better from FCC from start to finish. The goals just weren't there. But but haven't we been talking about this all year? That that you could see that this team could be incredibly dangerous if they sort of put it all together. Or they had a game where everyone was on form, making the right runs, where they got a little lucky finally with officiating. And it was just, yep. that second half was a beatdown. Like yep. starting from maybe one minute of stoppage time in the first half to the end of the full-time whistle, that's as dominating a performance as I've seen in Major League Soccer this year. Flat out, period. Like, there's other teams that have scored yep. as many goals, but they compressed all that shit into like 50 minutes of real on-field time. And it was just right. like, it looked like a team playing a lower division team two levels down. Like it was unbelievable. And to top yeah. it off, you've got Brenner being the Brenner that we have seen glimpses of this year. And we saw mm-hmm. a full display of it again. You had Yuya Kubo coming out and scoring goals. You had Vasquez and Lucho with assists. The back line was tremendous. It just you they physically broke the spirit and will to live of San Jose in this game. <laughs> <laughs> and least we forget, San Jose, yes, they're they're in a rough spot. Uh they fired their manager. They have a they have a new manager lined up and it's not their interim guy. Uh they still got some very good players. Jeremy Abobasi has almost as strong of a U.S. men's national team argument as Brandon Vasquez does. Uh, he's He's been on fire this year. But to just walk into this game knowing that, hey, on paper, we're better than this team. We need to get this win. We need to see this happen. And for it to actually play out that way... Yes, to your point. Like it's been a while since we've been able to like confidently predict and see out what should happen on the field, and it happened exactly that way. And I I think we gotta talk about it. Yuya Kubo has been just the story of the last month or so. Him coming on and looking like the Kubo we thought we were signing back in 2020 is a revelation. And if this guy can become this super sub who can 
fill in at forward, fill in in the midfield. We've seen him do that very well the last few weeks. He, he was given a more advanced role this game. Uh, FCC has another gear. Brenner can have an off night. Vasquez can have an off night. And we'll be okay. Yeah, it's funny, too, because like you look at that and it's like, I don't think Yu Yakubo, I don't think there's any debate about this. Yu Yakubo is not worth the money they are paying him. No. It's a bad contract. It was a bad signing at the money it is by NICAMP. But having said that, if there's a world where you can bring Yu Yakubo back, and I don't know that this could happen, I don't know that his pride would let this happen, I don't know that his agent would let this happen to him. But if <laughs> there's a reality where Yu Yakubo comes back on, you know, a 550, deal, and the goal of him is, you know, he's on, he's a sub that comes in for 30 minutes a game, 20 minutes a game, gets a spot start here and there when people have, uh, you know, they want to rotate or when there's card or suspension issues. I I wouldn't hate it. I mean, he's played really, really well when he's been on the field, and he does a lot of different things, and that finish was something else, man. Like, that was was a world-class finish on a great pass and one move, slotted into the corner of the goal and he played that entire game like he was shot out of a cannon just the energy level and the work rate was off the charts and I don't know if that's because he's motivated because he realizes I need to start putting something out there to get a ticket out of town or if there's now a comfort level with what Pat Noonan is asking him to do I I don't know that I don't know that anyone other than Yuya knows that or maybe the coaching staff but you know, he, he's played his way into a very valuable role on this team. The only question for me is whether or not they can make the dollars match up to what that role is, which at this point I, I would I'd, I'd like to see it happen, which is a marked change of pace with how we began the year for or change of like opinion for how I began the year with you, Yakubo. Yeah, I know going into this season, yeah, he was very much where uh, Alan Cruz was and I'll say still is, which is uh, yeah. just very sad he, he still has to be here. Um, I'm honestly surprised at this point they just haven't gone ahead and mutually agreed to part ways and give him an extra month with the uh, with the family back home. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe they really are desperate for bodies in case it gets to that point, but I know Kubo had a strong start to the year. He actually looked pretty good in those first two or three games and then got hurt. And I don't think we've seen that Kubo come back until these last few weeks. I'd have to go I mean, back and, and re- he, reassess that. But He also, his injury also timed up well with Brenner returning. Yeah. So yeah. the opportunities for minutes, I think, diminished because they had to start giving those minutes to Brenner. and um, Which has been good because I think Brenner... Like a game like this continues to make the case for that no matter what you want to do with him, he's increasing his value. I, I will say to Brenner, though, that before this season, the, the view of Brenner I had is not worth the money they're paying him at all. And I think that yeah. pretty, was pretty widely held that he hadn't shown when he needed to show. He's now turned yeah. into a player where I still don't think he's worth the money they're paying him, mostly because he's just so mercurial in – how he produces like his his goal numbers I think Grayson tweeted this out about like comparing his numbers to players around the league and it's kind of deceiving to a certain extent with Brenner because he will go long stretches of the year doing absolutely nothing then explode (laughs) out for three goals and it's like on one hand all goals are great you never want to turn down a goal but damn it if it wouldn't have been nice occasionally to spread a few of those out to games where 
we needed one more to pick up three points. And I just, I don't think for a designated player, I'd rather have a designated player that scores once every game than a designated player that scores five goals at a time in six different games. Like, I just, I, I think, so, like, going back to the joke about, like, the designated players of beer, I need Brenner to be more like a Northern Row beer. I need him to be there whenever I show up at the bar. <laughs> I don't need him to be like a Sam Adams Oktoberfest where he shows up and is really awesome when he's there, but the rest of the time you just can't rely on him for anything. <laughs> he fades. You know, well, he's just it's like the, really he's the funny. Mick Rib of strikers. It's just he, <laughs> he comes back for a limited time only, and when he's there, it's exciting. But the rest of the time, you're wondering when when's the McRib coming back? <laughs> when's, when's McRib season? Uh, <laughs> no, you know what's funny about that? Uh, one person, and as far as I can remember, the only other person who's expressed that point, and I think it's a fantastic point and completely agree, is actually Alexi Lawless. Alexi Lawless uses the number of games a player scores in as a criteria for him determining his MVP vote in MLS for that exact reason. I think reason. it's smart. Yeah. I think it's smart. It's and The reason why is that uh, it, goals just change games in soccer. I mean, that's yes. like, spoiler alert, dumbest thing you're going to hear on the podcast <laughs> all day. Goals change games. And if you – it's great to see someone score a hat trick. It's awesome. They didn't need three goals to win this game. And it was fun to watch. I lost my voice yelling at the stadium. It yep. was an absolute blast. <laughs> but two goals plus one goal some other time or three goals over the course of three games exponentially would have been more valuable to this team. And maybe we're not sweating out some of these playoff runs if – Brenner is spreading his production out more evenly and was more reliable as he was producing. And I understand, like, here we are nitpicking after a beatdown <laughs> in the best game of the year. But, you know, there, there's so much good to talk about. I just think that you do have to point that out, that, like, there is a pattern with Brenner now of shows up big when he's there. You wonder where he's at the rest of the time. And I, I, it's part of the reason why, you know, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, going forward on future episodes Maybe with Grayson when he comes back, if he ever comes back. God bless Grayson. God rest his soul. Um, but I, I just think you have to – that's the biggest argument right now for moving on from Brenner is I hope he's increased yeah. his value, but it's just I need something a little more reliable from a DP. Yeah. Yeah, he's in an interesting spot now where he is – he's walking up to the, uh, the Andy Dalton line of strikers, which is like, you know, is he – you start wondering if he's more valuable on your team or, you know, is, is the roster spot and the cash on hand more valuable? He's walking right up to that line right now. Right. Well, and it'll well, be you're, interesting you're worried decisions. That you're, you're worried that you're not going to do better. That, like, if I go out and I right. spend this money again, right. am I chasing just this exact same player? And am I going to do worse if I go? It's like if I break up with my girlfriend, and it's the next one going to be worse <laughs> or am I going to be lonely? But I, I mean, mean, think about this. What, what's the, what's, the what's same- we were talking at the same time. That was cute. Go ahead. What were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to say the uh, the the tricky part here, or the uh, the the actual comparison we can make right now is Sergio Santos and Yuya Kubo, because we know Santos has an option for about nine hundred thousand dollars, and I'm sure Albright and Noonan have seen his body of work in Philly. They're they're very familiar with them. That's why they brought him in. But in terms of what I've seen in an orange and blue jersey, I'd be more tempted to see if Kubo wouldn't take that Santos offer 
instead of signing Sergio Santos. At least I know Kubo is slightly more versatile than than Santos. No, Kubo and Kubo's also a gamer. Like where you no matter what you ask him to do, he's gonna do it. Like if you need him to go play defensive mid, he did that. Was he good at it? Yeah, your mileage may vary yep. on that, but he at least was willing to do it. <laughs> and I don't know, like the important thing for me though is that they've got the rest of the season. And what's neat about this is that they're going to get a chance regardless of whether or not they make the playoffs, to see some of these players finally playing in high-pressure situations where results matter, where nerves get tight, you know, assholes get tight, and everything that you're doing is of grave importance. And I I think that for the team they want to be next year and the years going forward, I want to see what Santos looks like in that situation. I want to see what Kubo looks like in that situation. I want to see what these players look like when – there is the pressure of expectations on them in what amounts to a four-game season from now until, you know, decision day. And I think that hopefully we see Kubo continue to play well and force that to be a tough decision. Um, the, The good news, though, is that those decisions are made a lot easier by the fact that it seems like they have solved a lot of the issues on the back line right now. Um, yeah. I know they're going to have they're going to have some decisions to make about what they're doing with Jeff Cameron in terms of whether or not he's worth the money that they're paying him. But full credit to everyone involved between Haglin, Cameron, and Miazga. The addition of Miazga and Wobodo has been game changing for this team. Uh, another clean sheet with this game, yeah. uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about it as well. Roman Celentano, holy fuck! <laughs> Holy Just, fuck, what a first half. I, it's unfortunate that the six goals really overshadow that. It's, it's never unfortunate that the six goals happen and overshadow anything. <laughs> There's nothing unfortunate about six goals. If I were if I were dating Roman Celentano, I might be mad here, right? Like, right. I or just, if you were Mr. and Mrs. Celentano, right, my, right. my boy's not getting enough credit for what he did. All they want to talk about is goals. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is funny. We could have conceded five in this game; would have just been super exciting. But um, no, I mean, we almost yeah. we, we could have conceded five in that first half with the way he played. Like, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Some of the saves he was making, the way he commanded the defensive area, just a couple diving great stops, and he they were under siege there for probably the last 20, 15, 20 minutes of that first half Yeah, to the point where I was thinking this game is unwatchably bad in terms of lacking flow, and Roman bailed them out on like three or four really, really good. One was a free kick opportunity that he turned away. There was a couple other shots from open play that he did real well on. Then they score that goal, and then they never look back. But it was Celentano and the back line keeping them in that game when they couldn't possess in the midfield – and they really weren't developing the kind of cohesion going forward that they developed in the second half. So yeah. the back line in this on this team, like, God, I ranted my ass off, Lord knows, about how angry I was they weren't moving quickly enough. But every move, <laughs> every move Albright has made from Celentano in the draft, Ian Murphy in the draft, yes. waiting to bring Miazga in as a TAM signing and waiting Chelsea out on that, bringing Wobodo in. Like, the, they have... They have taken what was a huge weakness on this team and completely flipped it around to the tune of, I think it was Grayson that tweeted this or Mame that tweeted this, that they went from a negative 37 goal differential last season 
to now they have a positive yeah. five goal differential in less than a year's time. That's unbelievable. It's it's incredible progress. And I was thinking back too on that that draft as well. Everybody said we should be taking Kip Keller. I said I would kill myself if they didn't take Kip Keller. Um, <laughs> you also said you need a busk boy last week too. We still haven't we still haven't done that yet either. Hey, hey, your your boy picked up a, a GI knock, as it were. So it might be a little bit for the uh, the busk boy to show up. Maybe we get a playoff busk boy, but uh, <laughs> against medical advice, busk boy, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can say I did have a doctor formally recommend I don't do that right now. So <laughs> it's not <laughs> It'd be forbidden. Better if you didn't. <laughs> it was just recommended I didn't. <laughs> Strongly recommended you don't fucking do this. <laughs> but but you think back to like we wanted Kip Keller. They took a I wanted Kip Keller. I don't know. I, I feel no, like I wanted, the general Kip, I wanted Kip Keller was, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Please for the love of Christ. Uh, and then. If we take a goalkeeper, which felt like a waste considering we did have, uh, I mean, we were going to run with uh, Khan and Vermeer and Sunderland, and now all three of those don't seem like viable goalkeepers right now. And uh, we ended up with Ian Murphy, who, uh, if we if we remember, had one of the worst games ever for oh, an yeah, FCC they, they player against him Austin. him off at half. Yeah, he just he couldn't. <laughs> There was another game too where they pulled him off at the half. It was like, nope, this ain't working tonight. Like he, yeah, he had a yeah Orlando. Oh, that's what it Orlando. was. It was against Orlando. Yep, it was just a horror show after horror show, just getting beaten like a drum. Yeah, but he's given valuable minutes, and you know the guy who's been dogged by this fan base, and I'm not going to call out names, but there's there's more than a few people in this fan base who have dogged Jeff Cameron for reasons beyond his performance on the field, which. To me, sucks a little bit, but neither here nor there. Um, I understand if you don't agree with his politics, but his play over the last yeah. month and a half to two months since Wobodo got added to this team, Cameron has been outstanding. And especially down the stretch, these last like three or four weeks has been outstanding. And the pairing mm-hmm. of him and Hagland and adding Miazga to this, it the, the, the defense is no longer... It's it's always concerning because I'm going to have PTSD about the back line for probably years until it's you know <laughs> I, I can get this out of my head what happened the last two years. Yeah. But the defense has been good. The defense has been really really good. They've been steady. There haven't been a lot of these horror show moments in playing out the back. Um, they aren't blowing assignments and ball watching like they were earlier in the year. And I don't again. Not to you know bring this back from earlier, but I don't know if it's because they're all more comfortable in Noonan's system now, or if just that steadying presence of having Wobodo on the field has made everyone more confident in one another, or if it's just a it's just a, a force multiplier that you add Wobodo, you add Miazga, and all of a sudden everyone feels more comfortable in their positions and what they're being asked to do. But they have gotten outstanding play from just about everyone on the back line so far this year over the last like I'd say six to seven games, and it's. Yeah. It's propelled them into this playoff run. The goals are fun. Brenner's fun. Vasquez is fun. It's It means nothing if you're leaking goals out the back like this team has historically since it entered MLS. And they have really studied all that. Com- completely agree. I think as well to looking forward, looking at next year, you think about this back line as it exists right now, but say you have 
Moderita, Blackett, and Cameron's salary to play with to make some improvements. Maybe you convince Ray Gaddis to go back into retirement um, and you, you free up that money as well. I mean, this this defense has been stabilized, but you can see the path to next year it being completely revamped and every starter we have now becoming a rotation guy based on right. what could be brought in. That's incredible. And now, and we haven't even, we haven't even, I feel like we've, we've, you know, just sort of glossed over the fact over the last couple weeks, Moderita's back and Moderita is offering quality minutes for this team going forward. And that he has been just found money these last few games. I was, I was shocked he didn't go on season ending IR in the first place when they said he might be coming back at some point. I was like, well, that's optimistic. And he's played very well, (laughs) I think, in the minutes that he's contributed off the bench as well. And you're bringing a guy like Moderita off the bench, which is just, absurd right, right. just as, absurd at, at one point was a uh an mls uh best 11 i believe uh, at least caliber starting left back in this league and yeah you, you gotta assume he's getting more comfortable with his legs but you know the next two three weeks he's just gonna be coming you know more comfortable he's gonna be making those improvements um his crosses are still deadly. And if yes. Vasquez can just get on the end of a couple of those, we're going to be just fine. This is going to be a fun, good place. What's fun about it, too, is that there's no pressure for him to really you know, try to push himself too hard or do more than he's capable of doing right now. Because, you know, once again, we're going to, you know, we're going to forget about him unless we make an effort to talk about him. Another great game from Alvaro Barrial, too. Um, yep. He just continues to be a solid, steady. He's not going to make an all-star team. He's rarely going to make a best 11 of the week, but he goes out there. He does a lot of things well. Nothing exceptional, but a lot of things well. He scores goals. He contributes in the attack, and his play has allowed them to not have to rush Moderita back as soon as he was healthy and allowed Moderita to get his legs back under him. And I, I just think it's it's fun to talk about a game like this because every spot on the pitch you can point to and be like, yep, that's a great game from him. Yep. And there's no, there's no real goat. Like what, what are we, what's, who's the goat of this match? Like right. the fact they cut <laughs> the beer vendor that didn't have the beer you wanted in the Bailey. Like what are, <laughs> what's, what are you complaining about after a game like this? You couldn't understand the, the, the hype speech that Reese gave. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I took a whole video of that for, for my man Reese. <laughs> I, I meant to give him some notes. I said I was gonna say a little wordy. So Reese, if little, you're listening, a little right. wordy. <laughs> and make sure you hit the catchphrase. You know, the, the rock didn't become the rock until everyone understood that they had to say if you smell what the rock is cooking with them. You got a repetition <laughs> and clear enunciation on the catchphrase, I think. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I guess the only other thing to talk about with this game is uh VAR went our way. We we got one of those 50-50 calls that that broke to the orange and blue. Are are we even with pro? No. No, it was it was so it was kind of like Brenner, all the goals coming at once where it's like, hey, this is fun, but I wish we could have gotten a few more of these over the past couple of weeks. The same thing here. It's like I was I was in the the Bailey with a couple of friends and we were just talking while this game was going on. I'm like, oh, well, of course, we would get our big VAR break already up 2-0 and that <laughs> I could just see yep. Andrew Weeby or whoever the hell it was else online saying see you win some calls too it's like yeah 
I don't need that one. I needed the one where it was like 1-1, one, one, and I needed this one to break my way to get three points. <laughs> right, I don't need the right. one that makes it a blowout, or I don't need the VAR call in the 95th minute of a 5-0 game. Like, was that fun? Was it fun chanting, we want six? Sure was. <laughs> but I don't need your, these dumbasses online, these stupid blue checks, going and pointing at this and saying, see, you guys get lots of calls. Like, it matters when the calls happen, okay? Like, that yes, matters. Yes. Timing matters. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I, yeah, that was, it was fun to finally get one on, on the other side. It was, uh, it, it was nice to know that that feeling could happen, that, you know, that it wasn't an all-out, you know, scorched-earth policy towards us, that they're willing to, you know, feed in the, the couple of calls our way every so often. I did like the uh, the video I saw on Twitter of... Uh, it certainly appeared the VAR never worked for us, at least on the last one. So the, just uh, the, made it up. Literally, the screen did not appear to turn on for the referee <laughs> to check. That is see, and, and isn't it isn't it interesting? You know, isn't it interesting that Pat Noonan comes out and says he will no longer be addressing refereeing questions; that he prefers to focus on the game on the field. And isn't it interesting that as uh -huh. soon as he says that. That now all of a sudden the calls start going our way. That fascinating. Fascinating. That you know he he says that he's no longer going to complain, and the refs are good boy. Here's a couple of VAR calls for you. Take a couple of PKs. Make yourself look good. Buy something nice for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get those get those penalty four stats up and out of the basement so it doesn't right. look so obvious anymore. It's like, you want a positive gold differential? I can get you a positive gold differential. I got a cousin with some positive gold differential. Fell off the back of a truck. Here, don't knock yourself out. I mean, that does feel – that's how the rest of the schedule sort of feels. It's like, oh, you guys, you guys need a little help? About a about a Chicago DC trip, huh? Does that does that do anything for you? Yeah. Hey, you 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 play ball with us. We play ball with you. Okay. You know you need to get Brenner shipped out. We'll get him some extra goals for you. We'll take care of it. You just gotta stop talking about us, okay? You don't talk about us. We don't talk about you. We all make money. Bada bing, bada boom. Like it's it's, it's like dealing with the mob. Yeah. It's really, it's the most, I'm, most corrupt I'm, group ever. <laughs> I mean, to that point, hopefully there's an American owner in Europe who is trying to buy an MLS franchise who can uh, buy Brenner off of our hands for a uh, super inflated price. So MLS looks like they're this great exporting league like they did with Ricardo Pepe to a uh, an American-owned team and their owner may or may not be the uh, the secret investor for uh, – Detroit City and maybe looking for a uh, an MLS franchise and doing the league a solid by inflating their export numbers. I mean, who's to say? Who's to I mean, say there I mean, isn't somebody send, out there? You send Brenner over to uh, to the Premier League and maybe he could be one of the inaugural members of the first Premier League All Star team. That would be exciting for everyone involved. <laughs> can I? Can I? I understand that we're this is segment one is FC Cincinnati talk, but like, can I say how Hit much me. I loved? I loved the meltdown online yes. by the suggestion of an all-star game <laughs> happening. And I love that the that like that what preempt what prompted this is that it's universally regarded as the dumbest part of American sports. Everyone yes. hates all-star games. The all-star games yes. are boring. Nobody plays defense. Nobody gives a shit. The Pro Bowl is basically a meme at this point. 
where I think yes. more people tweet ironically that they're watching the Pro Bowl than actually watch the Pro Bowl. Um, yes. And I love that that was this this what's his name Todd Bowie or Bowie or whatever. Yeah, Bowley. Yeah, Bowley. I believe this was a stupid fucking <laughs> idea for him to say, but I love that that's like that everyone at Chelsea is so excited that we have this new billionaire owner we're out from under sanctions it's like thank god nothing can get worse than having roman abramovich a russian oligarch as your owner and then the headline is new american wants to import worst concept from american sports to premier league well here's here's the thing that i don't get is the english game is chock full of meaning meaningless bullshit games like this. So uh, let let me let me uh, just re- reset expectations for everybody. The charity shield, uh, the community shield that is uh, that is played before the game. It's a bullshit friendly. It's a bullshit friendly for a bullshit title. The league's cup is a bullshit tournament for a bullshit title. That's fake as shit. Sponsored as well. by an energy drink, I think. Right, right. now, it was yeah. it was sponsored by Coca Cola and a fucking paint company for a while um they do testimonials that's what they call them testimonials you have a, a club legend retires and it's you know uh manchester united versus the world and it's all of this this player's teammates come and they play to a sold out crowd at old trafford that's the all-star game my friends that's what an all-star <laughs> game is it's a bunch of dumb shit people doing stupid tricks to be funny you let the goalkeeper score one that's what a fucking premier league all-star game would be like you do this dumb shit anyway just slap a coat of paint on it throw it at the beginning of the season end of the season i i don't know like well, you could about, replace wait, the community shield with it no problem and nobody what about care. what about this as an idea all right tell me how much this would go over like a turd in the punch bowl over <laughs> in the uk you do the premier league all-star game okay but you kick it off on a Saturday night in the UK at like two in the morning so that it's on during prime time <laughs> in the United States. But you set it up so that you can keep beer sales going and you do like half price beers and like you make that the one game a year where they'll actually sell beer in the stands. I don't know if people know this. You can't get a beer in the stands during a Premier League game. Like they won't sell it to you. You can only drink them at halftime and before the game. And then okay. at when the ball kicks off, they actually shut the beer vendors down, right. and you have to go to your seats. But make this the one game a year. If we're going to go American, make it full American. Have the guys walking down the aisles, selling beer, but triple the number of stewards and the high-visibility jackets to keep people from running on the field, and just play it in the middle of the night, <laughs> like March, Ma- like Midnight Madness used to be in October before yes. the NCAA seasons used to start, and just get everyone liquored the fuck up, put all the stars <laughs> on the middle of the field, in the dead of night, and then everybody spills out into, into the streets at four in the morning and just keep it going, keep the bars open for one night, and just, like, make it a drunken mess. And then you've got fans, they're all hammered, they're all singing. This. this is incredible. And then it's a it's a ready-made TV product for the U.S. We all watch it at 8 o'clock on ESPN, and it's just, it's just drunk English fans yelling, throwing shit on the field, and players that desperately want to be anywhere else other than playing a friendly at 2 in the morning. <laughs> I I love this. I love this idea so much. But while you were talking, I, I, I don't want to say I came up with a better idea. but well, then, I, well, That would be so you, so go. Hear, hear me out. All right. It's a Royal Rumble 
but it's yes. soccer teams. So, oh, shit. So how it starts is the two worst teams in the league are playing. You score a goal, you knock the other team out, the next lowest team comes in, takes their spot, and then you keep going until somebody else scores a goal, then they're out. And you see how long you can stay on the field, you see how high up the ladder you can go. I don't know if this is technically a ladder match. You're the wrestling expert here. Yeah, but- a ladder match, they'd have to have, they would have to have like the world, the cup. Like the actual <laughs> yes. Premier League trophy okay, suspended from above the field, <laughs> which would be kind of tough since they don't do any of these indoors. What about this? What if the – okay, Royal Rumble, but yep. what they do is they start off with 11 players on each side. And then every five minutes they count down and then they introduce a new player who comes onto the field and he replaces one player that's already on there. So nobody on the field really has to play for more than 20, 25 minutes or so because they're constantly putting a new right, player on. Right. And that's why you can get all of the world stars, all of the all-stars onto this game during the course of a 90-minute match between two teams. So I like, like it. There's like a three-minute countdown, and then all of a sudden, here comes Harry Kane, and he comes running in from the entrance, <laughs> and he takes the field at striker, replacing whoever like the fuck was on the field at that point beforehand. I, I love this. I'd say just keep adding them. Don't take anybody out. <laughs> it's so it just turns into like a 30 on 30 eventually. Hell yeah, that would be fucking insane. I don't even know if it would work physically, but I'm into it. Yeah, and then you think the two like that like you every time a new player comes on, you don't even have the theme music. You just get a bunch of drunk oh, Brits that yes. know what to sing whatever his song is, and they all start singing like Harry fucking Kane. Harry. I don't know. I'm not a Spurs fan. Whatever it is, yeah, they it's sing. probably something like that. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're the most creative fans in the world, Chief. Don't you know that? I know this. Yes, and they you they will. all sit. They all sing like they've dropped every consonant and vowel out of the song as they go forward. Uh, yeah, just uh, say the guy's name three times in a row to your favorite nursery rhyme when you were two, and uh, you pretty much got the uh, entire English football culture down. Right. Are, um, you a fan of, are you a fan of Sloop John B.? You will be at the end of this match. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> it's your new favorite song. <laughs> yeah, so I, I that's it's a long way of saying that they really do need to embrace this all-star game thing because I mean, just it's play all, the it's, all-star it's, it's, game in New York, right? Just like, just fucking give up on the English. That's the pro. This is this is the issue when your sport or when your league or when your team goes global. It no longer belongs to you. And if people are upset with that, they should have protested the Premier League's formation back in the nineties. But we're here. It's an American owner. There's American players. There's probably more fans living in Indonesia than there are Chelsea fans in all of the British Isles. It's not your team anymore. It's everybody else's team. So, like, the uh, Aussie Rules football, they do occasionally a matchup with the Irish Rugby League where they'll send, like, an AFL team to Ireland and they'll play a tournament, but it'll be under a modified rules that sort of combines AFL with rugby. So, like, this sort of cultural exchange thing. So, like, if they do an all-star game in the EPL, what can we say is, like, a cultural exchange? You do an all-star game. We will import something from you that is uniquely. I mean, the the NBA. Don't say pro well. Don't say pro no, well. I, I, I'm not going to go that way. I would love to. <laughs> I was going to say the NBA has been flirting with, and it feels like desperately trying to do a like mid-season cup tournament like the FA Cup for a while. I could see that absolutely catching on in basketball. 
and baseball. You need more things for your teams to win in order for the the franchises to be valuable. Um, And yeah, I would love to even see the NBA just go, all right, everybody who doesn't make the playoffs is eligible for this like cup tournament. And if you win it, you get automatic entry into the playoffs, something like that. Just so that there's like something else. What about like the Champions League of college football? Like, is there a way that you could do? They'd probably yes. be adding too many games to the season, and they're already like talking that they play too many games. But like some well, way, you basket college basketball is so ripe for just fully embracing a European model of everything, doing a straight pro rel pyramid all the way down to you know the the there's 300 teams in. Division One NCAA basketball. So why not just put them all in groups of conferences of whatever it is, 12 teams, right? Give them full conferences and then just have the NCAA tournament be every single team in the field. Seated. Or you do the NCAA tournament, but also you also have the Champions League of college basketball where the top two teams in the Big East make yes. the Champions League and the top two teams in the Big Ten. And that plays during the course of the regular season as well. Yeah. And then winning the NCAA tournament, that's like winning the FA Cup. But or winning like and winning your conference yes. title is like winning the Premier League. But if you win the Champions League of college basketball, then that's like the true like Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's the real tournament. And then what you do is whatever it is, right? You like two teams from a power conference, one team from the other ones, and then a bunch of play in games to get into it each year from the, the smaller conferences. But like if you're the worst team of the Big Ten teams in the Champions League, you have to play a home-and-home match against whoever won the Big Ten that year without your team in it to see who goes up to the Champions League (laughs) version of it. So, like, you know, Ohio State has to defend their spot against Michigan because Michigan won the Big Ten when Ohio State and Michigan State were in the Champions League. And, yeah, no, it could be a lot of fun that way. (laughs) That'd be electric. All right, so that's the deal then, because college football doesn't work. College basketball would be incredible. We will adopt the Champions League of college basketball in exchange for the Premier League playing a all-star game at 2 in the morning so that it can be on primetime television for us here in the United States. Oh, man, I just... <laughs> I don't see who loses here. I don't see... This is, a, this is, the, this is the ultimate win-win right here. I mean, the, NCAA, or the, uh, the Champions League portion of that I feel like is inevitable because at some point the the power five conferences are just going to break away from the NCAA right like that's just the the writing on the wall there so <laughs> Every, everything else is is just biding time um man how about that San Jose game huh <laughs> wow six goals wild <laughs> I think we talked more about Michigan State Oh my gosh, that is my dog kicking a table. Hang on, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I think we talked more about Michigan State than uh, Lucho Acosta that game, so that was good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Lucho does what Lucho does. He's just that is true. He's, he's set your watch. Set your watch by the man. He's I'm bothered. I'm bothered good. that Hanny Mukhtar. So he's played Mukhtar. Is that his name? How you pronounce yeah. it? He sounds like a rejected like Star Trek villain of the week. But um, the Mukhtarian system. But anyway, yes. uh, Grayson would appreciate that. Um. <laughs> But, like, I'm bothered that he's having such a good year because it does feel like he is so far out in the MVP race and yeah. with his number of assists and goals that it really is taking some of the debate out. And I think that it would be a lot of fun to see Lucho Acosta just be part of a MVP debate that isn't happening because Mukhtar is playing so goddamn well. 
Yeah, him and uh, De uh, De Rusi, De Rusi in uh, in Austin. Same same story. Dude's just unbelievably, you know, running away with all all statistical categories right now. Um, let's get out of uh, part one. Let's go over to part two. We're talking a little bit about the uh, scoreboard watching. Is it fun to watch other MLS games right now? Uh, we'll talk about that in uh, in part two. Oh, back at it. Part two of episode 29. Oh, so close to a uh, to a milestone episode, as Jonah calls them. And uh, Chief, I got to say, this week, been watching a lot of uh, other MLS games. I know Grayson would be disappointed to hear that. but I watched, I watched the entirety of that RSL game yesterday. <laughs> just rooting for red cards? Yeah. Just, <laughs> they didn't even get a yellow card. <laughs> right. I was I was looking for the ref to come in and start spamming cards like Stone Cold hitting the stunner. I went red card, red card. Give me some yellow accumulation. Give oh me all, anything. <laughs> I uh, I have found my new favorite genre of tweet, and it is uh, me tweeting a bunch of emojis about what people should be rooting for uh, each day that there are uh, MLS matches. And uh, I mean, vaguely replacing my other favorite type of tweet, which is just when somebody scores a goal in a big match and someone just tweets their last name with a bunch of exclamation points where it's like, (laughs) great, you saw who scored the goal, too. That was insightful. That's um, one of my favorite things is the uh, the number of like East Coast Politico or like politics reporters that have gotten really into the Premier League will tweet at like six in the morning, like, oh my fucking God, I can't believe they did that. And people will be like, oh, what's happening now? Right. Like, what's going on? Did somebody on? storm the Capitol again? What's going on? <laughs> no, Spurs missed a shot. <laughs> I, I do think that, like, in terms of other favorite tweets, uh, if you ever follow either Tom Brady or LeBron James, which mm. you shouldn't because their content is just terrible, but. Every time they post anything, inevitably one of the first responses is someone coming in and saying, never won a real ring. And then it gives a reason why every accomplishment they've had, like, you know, bubble year in NBA finals, not real. Um, All of the Warriors were hurt, not real. Or like Deflate um, Gate. Deflate Gate. Atlanta Falcons inexplicably kept throwing football. Defense won this one from Seattle. It's like, yeah. I really want to get to the point in MLS where we start yelling at MLS teams to win a real ring. Like, I think, honestly, <laughs> that every time the Columbus crew tweets from now on, there should be an FC Cincinnati fan in the mentions with a win a real ring argument and then have reasons why each win season that the Columbus crew have won is not real. Columbus oh frauds God. SC. And just every time. Somebody just needs to – there needs to be one person that commits to the bit of every time a crew player – or the crew's main account tweets, it's a response back, win a real ring. I think, <laughs> let's get it going. Fuck, there's got to be somebody with no life that can do this. I'm into it. Yeah, the uh, there is that like sort of genre of like the exact same meme joke being tweeted at every single soccer post overseas is, is infuriating and hilarious at the yeah. same time. <laughs> I'm into it. Well... We've got we've got some rooting to do, which I, I I've actually come to understand is like an incredibly vulgar statement to say in Australia. I'll let people Google that one. Uh, but rooting is a euphemism. Uh, but no, we got some rooting to do this yeah, weekend. Uh, it unfortunately, is a, uh, unfortunately, I learned also that up the Gary 
has a completely different meaning if you look overseas as well. <laughs> no, I mean that meaning when I tweet it. Um, yeah. Here's here's what FC Cincinnati fans should be rooting for this weekend. Um, we need New York Red Bulls to win. That is that is a big one for us. We need Philly to win, Montreal to win. We need Orlando to lose. We need Chicago to draw. We need FC Cincinnati to win, baby. And we need Seattle to get as many red cards as they can. <laughs> I love the rooting for red cards. Like whoever's <laughs> playing next, just we need every red card to happen in this it's... game. Studs up tackles for everyone. <laughs> I'm not because even not rooting sh- for it. You're not rooting for injuries. No. Nope. You're not rooting for things to go wrong. You're just rooting for them to behave horrendously in this game and disqualify themselves for future participation. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if somebody gets hurt, uh, you know, I'll be very sad. But if they get a red card, it's very obviously their fault. So you've got <laughs> So you've got New York City versus New York Red Bulls, um, the Hudson River uh derby there and Which is uh, like it's one of my favorite rivalries yeah. in all of MLS because if you go back and you look New York City FC fans actually got into a fist fight with a bunch of Red Bulls fans <laughs> right. a year before the team even played a game. So like That's they right. were already acting as hooligans. So I'm sure most of them were like Cosmos fans or something like that that were already yeah. mad at Red Bulls before they realized how much they hate MLS. And there's also a you can Google this as well. There's also a little bit of an unsavory element to NYCFC's fan base mm-hmm. that may or may not involve shaving of heads <laughs> and an affinity for a certain type of Reich. But um, yeah. <laughs> but they they were getting into fucking fist fights with other fans before their team had even played a game. I thought that was incredible. Like that's a commitment to a rivalry. I simply don't have. <laughs> no, no, and um, maybe we need more. No, I'm not gonna say. No, it. <laughs> no, we don't. We absolutely whatever you were about to say. We absolutely don't need more of. Nope. Uh, but if we're rooting for that last. Uh, home playoff spot. We need New York City to lose that. New York Red Bulls have already clinched a playoff spot, so we're not really in competition with them. A win there would be great. Then you got Philadelphia and Atlanta. We need Philadelphia to continue to dominate teams for us. They are running away with the Eastern Conference. They're well on their way to running away with the league. And if they can keep uh, Atlanta at bay, that would be lovely. And a similar story with Montreal versus New England. Montreal, I believe, has already clinched a playoff spot. We need to just keep New England back off of our tails. So a Montreal win would be lovely there. This is where it gets a little trickier for me, though. Orlando versus Toronto. I'm inclined to say I want a Toronto win, and I think that's that's what I initially said. But I could be convinced that a draw is better here. I'm just worried that Orlando has enough room and plays the right opponents to sort of lock us out of that last home playoff spot. So, so here's my question that like I've gotten as I've started to like actually dive into the. I feel like one of those people that's like clicking on individual counties in states on election <laughs> night trying to figure yes. out how many votes are left outstanding. I've got like math I'm doing for potential points and who plays one another. Is there an argument to make that you just want people behind us to lose no matter what the situation is? And just, I want to make the playoffs. Would it be nice to make a home playoff game? Sure. But the bigger worry is someone coming up from behind and catching us. Like I'm looking at inner Miami where they're, I think they've got what, like they've got 39 points right now. They're three behind us. But yeah. We all cheered when they beat Columbus, but it's like, okay, well, they're getting a little closer. And they play, I think, D.C. and Toronto as their next two games where they should probably win both those two games. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm almost to the point now with all the scoreboard watching where 
what do I want? I want everyone behind us to lose, and I don't care what happens in front of us. Like the 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 dream of that home playoff game just feels like we're chasing something we're not going to get for whatever reason. Yeah, and just yeah. lock me into the playoffs. Lock me into so, a game. Yeah. So the one the one place where so in general. Yeah, so like earlier in the year, what you want to root for is just all draws because you just right. want as few points as possible out there. But we are now at the point where you do kind of want to start rooting for the way worst of the team. So your Chicago's and I'm looking at this now, Toronto and D.C., them getting wins off of our playoff opponents are now valuable because they're going to just pull them back into the muck. And as long as FCC continues to take care of business, we'll be able to just continue to run ahead. So this one, Toronto's on 34 points. If they pick up all three, they're on 37. They're still not ahead of 10th right now. That's where uh, uh, New England's at on 38 points. So Toronto beating Orlando would be super helpful for us uh, from that perspective. Could Toronto potentially win out and, and sneak into the playoffs? They've only got two more games. I don't think it's possible. As long as FCC right. can get another another win, the, I don't think it's possible. The, the other thing that I think that I, I don't know that people, well, I hope people know this, but if they don't, now's the time to know this. But MLS has a really weird tiebreak rule compared to the rest of international yes. soccer. Yes. And that's the first tiebreak in MLS is wins. It's not goal differential. And the problem for FC Cincinnati, at least, is that we've got a shitload of ties this year. But we're only sitting on 10 wins. We're two wins back of Orlando, and we're yep. three wins back of New York for whatever. If we end up tied on points with these teams, it's really hard to see us actually having more wins than either one of these teams. It's yeah. Miami has an extra win on us as well. They're already on 11 wins. Uh, the one team that we actually have that advantage on is Columbus, Columbus who only yeah. has nine. Yep. So, yeah, that's, that's another good point is – yeah, maybe these, maybe this week we're looking for wins and losses, but maybe the second to last week draws are more helpful just to keep people out of win columns. Right, um, that'll be helpful as well. Um, and there was uh, there was one more Sh- uh, Charlotte in Chicago play each other here, and I don't see that as terribly important. Maybe you want a draw there. Uh, is probably what I would say, but there's an argument to be made for Chicago getting a win there. Um, but again, not not crazy important. No. Um, and then yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully Seattle can uh, can pick up some red cards. It looks like they'll have a good chunk of players out on international duty, so that'll be helpful for us. And, but uh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so my question to you, I have a thought on this, but I want to hear yours. What's the magic number that we need to get to that you feel comfortable with? I mean, because I said, I'll put it this way. I said, before we got to September, I said that when we started this last run of games that we needed to win out on our home games and we needed to win one game on the road and pick up a draw somewhere. So we're on that schedule right now. And if we do that, we would end the season at 48 points. That would be one more road win and one more home win somewhere. Does 48 get it done, do you think? Yes, but I worry about the tiebreaker at that point. I think I think we need – I mean, the only thing I'd be safe with right now is 10 points, as annoying as that is. We need, we need to 
pick up a win somewhere between uh, Salt Lake and Seattle, we need to draw the other one and win the other two for me to be like, that will confidently, absolutely get us in. Now, we could very well lose these next two games, win the last two, and get in. Like That's still absolutely a viable path to the playoffs. But for me to be like, if we achieve this, we're getting in, it's 10 points, and that sucks. It's a lot of points. <laughs> it's a lot. Of I don't know if we've 10 ever points done out that. of, what, four matches? That's... Yeah, I don't know if we've ever done ten points in four weeks. Like I, because <laughs> on our current point per game total, I think we're at one point four points per game is what we're at right now. That would have us over four more games as what five point six, so like round up to six points. Yeah. So, um, well, that would be that know, would be an ask to get to not to get to ten off that. I think. I say we've never done 10 points, and that is that is true this season anyway, and therefore I'm going to assume any season in MLS. Right. No, there's, um, if we haven't done it this year, we've never fucking done it. I feel yes. very confident of that. Uh, but if we do win the next game, dating back to the Charlotte match, that is 10 points in four games. So we're say? very Journey close. Journey of a thousand miles starts with but a single step. And there was also, uh, if we cast our minds all the way back to the Who concert, uh, Toronto, Toronto, Minnesota, three-game win streak. That was a lot of fun. So we've we've gotten close to this. And I also, I mean, it's it's worth pointing out we end the season with DC, which is just they're horrendous and hopefully yeah. stay horrendous. And um, Chicago, which is better than they were for the majority of the year, but still. They should win those last two games. So the question, it, and it's also something we talked about with Pat Brennan originally, that that Seattle game yeah. feels really, really massive. Midweek game, moved from earlier in the year. Like you said, they're going to have possibly a lot of players out on international duty. We're going to talk about it in a second, but we're not going to have a player out on international <laughs> duty that possibly could be a big deal here. Um, yeah. That Seattle game for me, if they win... If they win this weekend, I'm very confident they they make the playoffs. But if they don't for whatever reason, then that Seattle game becomes maybe the biggest game in yeah. FC Cincinnati history in MLS. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what do you put up like the the MLS opener? Against Seattle, <laughs> like I don't, I can't think of anything else. The, the home opener against Portland, that, that yeah, was big, I guess. The knockout game against Portland and the MLS's back tournament, it's still real to me. Damn it! <laughs> hey, that trophy, we would put that trophy in the case. There'd be a banner up right now. MLS's back <laughs> champions. Uh, would there? There's no USL banner. I'm just saying. Uh, it, it recognized the history. Please. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, no, that I, would be the, the big. That would be the biggest game since the yeah. Open Cup game against New York. That's my yeah. take, and I'm sticking with it. I I could I could absolutely see the argument. Uh, I don't want to leave the Sunday games out because there are two important ones there for us as well. Uh, we need Portland to roll over the Columbus Crew. That is in Columbus, and we need DC United to beat Enter Miami. That's a huge ask. At yeah, least DC happening. will be home, but that that, that, that'll be happen. fun to hope for. Cheyenne, <laughs> Cheyenne, we need your help. We, I'll send you, I'll send you pa- as many packs of sheets as you need. Please, <laughs> I know you're not listening because I know you have never heard a minute of this podcast. I'm begging you out there. Someone get word to her. We need your We've, help. 
we will mail the clean sheets. It will happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But no, it's fun. I mean, look, I don't want to. I don't want to be saying things like this. Believe me. But look, if this playoff, you know, race doesn't go our way, it's been super exciting to even be in it at this point in the season. This oh, is great. everything we ever wanted. Are you kidding? <laughs> this is so much better than what you remember. Where we were a year in from uh, a year ago. Oh, Think about that. Jesus. A year ago. Tyrone Marshall was oh. the interim head coach. We were just waiting things out. I don't think Albright got hired until when? Like the 1st of October? Something yeah. like that? Yeah. So we had no GM at the time. We had no head coach. Oh. And we were just rudderless, drifting towards a third straight wooden spoon. Second straight. I, you know, sorry, yep. correct myself. Second second wooden, wooden spoon. <laughs> um just the turnaround to where now we're debating, we're talking about potential points. And we're watching games around the league, trying to see what these other teams look like and what they're doing. We're comparing schedules. This is this is so much more fucking fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the other thing, too. I've been trying to think, like, man, is, is this year tighter than other years? Because I genuinely have never paid attention to no. the playoff race in MLS. <laughs> no. Last year, like last, a year ago, we were n- negative 30 Roughly in goal differential at this point. I don't think we had won a match. Like, we won that uh, September 11th match last year. The only home win for FC Cincinnati last year. And, like, from this point forward, we wouldn't win another game for the rest of the year. Like, it was to the point where if you'd have put a $100 bet on FC Cincinnati to lose after that 9-11 game and let the bet ride, just let the winning (laughs) ride, just a straight money line bet FC Cincinnati to lose. You would have ended the season with like $50,000. Jesus. It was horrendous last year. This is so much better. I love this so much more. Oh, yeah. No, this is this is so much more fun. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go on this ride with uh, with FCC Twitter because it's it's been a blast. Probably not great for the uh, the old digestive system, which you need to get in shape because we got busboys to eat. I'm not forgetting. The no, North remembers. I, no, I I am I am in. I need to I need to try it at a minimum. So no, we need we need some celebratory busk boys in our life. Because we didn't uh, we didn't celebrate we didn't six nil to clinch the non last place season. Like that yeah, yeah. that deserves a a stale cookie on a frozen hamburger patty with tartar sauce. <laughs> There's still one last home match we can we can still make this dream come true <laughs> steal your stomach sir <laughs> oh gosh should we head over to uh to part three uh i mean i can't believe is... anyone is still listening at this point so yeah let's do it <laughs> hey if they are they they know that they're listening to the home of brandon vasquez to the u.s men's national team this was this was the place where the idea was first floated i don't know if it's true but that's what i Going so to pour yourself, to pour yourself a drink because it's time for a fucking funeral, baby. It's an we're, Irish wake for Brandon Vasquez, the national team. Let's head to second three, going. baby. <laughs> Part three. Here we are. We got to talk about it. Uh, we got a couple of couple of different topics around U.S. soccer and in particular the U.S. men's national team, Chief. Brandon Vasquez gets snubbed. What was <sighs> what was your initial reaction? Just bullshit. 
Yeah. Just, I hate Greg Berhalter. I'm sorry. I hate the guy. <laughs> He's a former Columbus manager, so I hate him already for that. And there's yep. some crooked shit going on at U.S. soccer with his brother, I think. And his just CEO. more. Yep. Yeah. More fucking nepotism. And just, I hate this idea in any situation where people pretend to have a meritocracy and pretend mm-hmm. that there is a that there is objective criteria that you can fulfill to accomplish something only to pull the rug out from under you and tell you, "Nah, eh, it was a sham all along. I had my mind made up. There was no point for you." Like set, having someone interview for a job when you've already made up your mind to hire someone else. What'd you waste my time for? Like right. what was all that stuff in the off season about he's so close, he's got this to work on, he's got this to work on. Just why weren't you honest with everyone and say, "I've already got my guys. If they stay healthy, those are my guys." I really wish him the best. Maybe, right. you know, for the gold cup or something, there's opportunity, but we've got our people. What was this? What was this sham of a competition or inform? What else did he have to do to beat a guy who hasn't scored in what, like a calendar year? I, I believe a, we were a, still technically at 11 months for Ricardo Pepe, a right. competitive goal. Or like, Oof. what did he have to do to beat Jordan fucking Morris? Why is Jordan fucking Morris a thing? In 2022, he's been a very average MLS player for going on two and a half, three seasons now. He's a fine player. There's not a lot of daylight between Jordan Morris and if you threw Yu Yakubo out there for a full year in terms (laughs) of the numbers that they'd pull up. Like, I understand at one time Jordan Morris, you know, was a thing. But he runs like a PS1 character. He doesn't put up a lot of numbers at all. He didn't make it when he tried to go overseas. And he's just been a dude in Seattle. And yet his name's in ink on this because he's one of Burhalter's guys. So it was just, it was bullshit. And the person I feel bad for was Brandon Vasquez. Because he, I think he made no secret about the fact that he wants to play for the U.S. men's national team. And it's a World Cup year. And because of just bad timing in terms of his life and when he was born and when he came to prominence, the earliest opportunity he will have now to play for the World Cup team for his the side that he wants to play for is when he's what, like he's 27? And there will be another cycle and another set of new hotness with new coaching staff most likely. And I feel bad that he has this breakout year. He brings a skill set to the table that no one else on the national team has that we're going to need going forward um, when we get to Qatar, we're going to face teams in Qatar that won't be susceptible to the tactics they want to play. They might need a guy like Vasquez to play hold up and create something out of nothing, or they yeah. need someone on like Vasquez on the field to protect a lead where they can bomb the ball downfield, have him hold up and draw a foul and to leave him out just because he wasn't one of your guys a year ago and he didn't get the call up early enough to build the chemistry with the national team. It's, just, it's, it's bullshit is what it is. It's it's awful. And it reminds me again of like the PRO, you know, pro referees and their their various like can like very flexible uh justification for things like, "Oh, well, you know, it's really hard to overturn a call on the field" versus, "Oh, well, you know, we can we can see that in the video." So, of course, we would review it uh and we would overturn it. It's like, "Okay, so we want guys in good form. Uh we need guys to be in their good form, but we're going to invite Ricardo Pepe here because He's not in good form, but we we want to see him. But we also we want to see some of the guys that we haven't seen in a while, like Jordan Morris. But we 
don't want to bring in a new guy that we don't know. But we'll bring in somebody that we saw a year ago. To it's just like it just is self defeating arguments over and over and over again just to justify like not bringing one of the best American strikers going right now. And I truly, I mean that. Like, one, my disappointment is, yes, absolutely. Like, as an FC Cincinnati fan, I want to see FC Cincinnati players on the U.S. men's national team. I want to see FC Cincinnati players on every national team. I don't <laughs> give a shit. Call up call yeah. up Barriel and Lucho, you cowards. Like, come on. But so that I am disappointed there. But I'm also, yes, to your point, like absolutely Vasquez brings a skill set that is absolutely going to be needed at a World Cup in tournament play. Uh, only Josh Sargent brings you height. Josh Sargent is not nearly as strong as Brandon Vasquez, and he's not the same player. He's not a hold-up striker. He is a pacey winger converted into a striker and vice versa. He's just not the same player. Whereas, nope. you know, Morris is a short guy. You've got uh, uh, Ferreira is, is a short Pulisic guy. Is a short guy. Pulisic's a short guy. Pepe is an incredibly short player. Um, you just don't have those bodies there. It's just and not calling him up this summer because he hadn't done enough. His club form wasn't fully there, even though he'd been doing it for eight months at that point. And then using that not calling him up in June for the argument to not call him up this this time around. It's just so ass-backwards. And then to do the insulting, well, we'll leave the door open for guys like Vasquez to play in. What the fuck is Vasquez going to have to do in these next four games to break in? I mean, I will say, as I, I, I'm a U.S. Men's National Team fan. I was very sad when they didn't make the World Cup. I'm hoping they do well. However... Against, I think it's Saudi Arabia on Tuesday. I really hope no American striker scores, and I hope to God Vasquez scores a hat trick. Yeah. Just so U.S. soccer has to deal with both of those things happening at the same time. No, and it's what, what, to your point, the whole idea of this summer, he, he doesn't get caught up this summer. And then the argument this fall is, well, he hasn't had enough, he hasn't built the chemistry we need with our guys going forward. That's like, Companies that post the the job requirements must have five years of experience in the field for an entry level position. It's like, well, right. it's an entry level position. I don't have. If I had five years of experience, I wouldn't be applying for this fucking right. job. And like the camp, the camp was in Cincinnati. You, there was no limit to the number of players you could bring. Just have him fucking train with the team. See what he looks like in drills. Don't invite him to the to the fucking friendly if you have to, right? But like you can see how he interacts with the other guys. See how he does in eleven v eleven drills, and just see how it looks there. They didn't even offer him that. And, and the other problem I have with it too is that to this idea that. There's this, oh, well, Burhalter's system is, is difficult to pick up, and players need experience. If your system is difficult to pick up, you have a bad system. That's bad especially, coaching. Especially for a national team manager who gets guys maybe, you know, four days out of every two months. And I just, th this team, A, didn't look amazing in qualification. It's no. not like this team just flattened CONCACAF, and you're like, well, Obviously, what they were doing was working incredibly well. There's no reason to look for other players or to try and improve that. No, there were long stretches of time during the qualification where they looked lost. They were pushed around. There was some talk that are these players that we're bringing over from Europe, are they able to have a rock fight against some of these teams that want to 
bunker in, play physical, play in hostile environments. Um, you A guy like Vasquez, I don't understand not giving him a look because he's a guy from MLS who plays dirty. Not like, you know, he's, he's a dirty player, but just <laughs> right, he, right, he gets right, right. physical. He, he draws fouls. He plays through contact and scores goals. And they don't have anyone that can do that. And I'm just, I'm deathly curious now as to what happens to this team in the World Cup when they come up against a team like in Iran that's going to want to play physical, that's going to want to, you know, to knock guys like little guys like Polisic and Pepe and all these guys around. And in front of a hostile environment over in the Middle East, who are they going to turn to? Jordan fucking Morris? I, I just, <laughs> I don't understand why you wouldn't at least give someone with Vasquez's skill set a look. But, hey, yeah. I'm not Greg with three Gs. I don't manage the <laughs> national team. I just have a podcast no one listens to. Oh, my gosh. So, Ricardo Pepe did score three goals in qualifying and then just took a year off. But other than that, no other American striker, I don't think, scored a single goal in qualifying. So, uh, maybe Burhalter's system with the national team uh, sucks. And and maybe he should go back to the club uh, system that he used that turned Jossi Zardes into a star in MLS. Um it's just it's frustrating it's frustrating for Vasquez um I know I'm sort of spite rooting for him to go to Mexico (laughs) right yeah no I'm just it's it is spite rooting and it's also like okay so as a Cincinnati and you tell me how I should feel in the calendar year that we've just had like Mm -hmm. in the last since the January 1st um we had Christian Pulisic come to town and call the city a bad city to play in that there weren't enough Americans Read into that what you will uh, at the game at TQL Stadium to 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 have his liking. So we had that. Um, we now have a snub of Cincinnati by U.S. Soccer and FIFA when it came to the uh, selection for World Cup 2026. Yep. yep. And now we have the top striker, the face of FC Cincinnati, publicly snubbed by Greg Berhalter with the most flimsy of justifications offered, taking guys in terrible form, who haven't played as well, uh, on the plane with him instead. At what point is am I supposed to take this personally as a Cincinnatian that maybe U.S. soccer really doesn't want me as a fucking fan? <laughs> right, right. I mean, thank God we got USA Mexico, or otherwise, yeah, I absolutely would be would be convinced that they they never wanted us in MLS and that they they're sick and tired of us. I mean, I mean God bless. Is... I mean, God bless him. Like Riggs on Barstool, who's originally from Cincinnati, he wrote a story today that was one of only the few soccer content blogs you'll ever see on Barstool. Does Greg Berhalter hate Cincinnati? And it's like I'm wondering the same thing. Is there an anti-Cincinnati sentiment in the locker room? Is the reason why there's a chemistry issue that Pulisic is in the locker room be like, fuck that, fuck that city, we're never going back, I don't want anyone associated with Cincinnati in my locker room? Like, would they kick Rose Lavelle out if she showed up to try and support the team? Is that how deep their hatred of Cincinnati goes? I want to know. Does Rose lose her place with the women's national team if she signs for a uh, an eventual NWSL team here in Cincinnati? <laughs> I think they were just worried if Brandon Vasquez went into the locker room, he'd ask everyone where they went to high school at, and that would just be really awkward for everyone involved. But he's gone. He's. I know he's from San Diego, so that's not. Although I do want to point out that I do think that like so when they do the player intros at, at TQL Stadium, they always say you know a striker or a defender from, and they list where they're from. Yeah. If I'm Brandon Vasquez and I really want this city to love me, 
I demand that my introduction be a striker from San Diego, California, but now residing in Cincinnati, Ohio, <laughs> Brandon Vasquez, and the entire crowd would lose it every single time. I uh, uh, I want to go back to my spite rooting and hope he just changes it to Tijuana, Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> for one game, that would be incredible. Like <laughs> for that Chicago game, if he like yes. Brandon Vasquez, a striker from Tijuana, Mexico. I, I, honestly, I, I hope the Bailey cheers if that happens. If that happens, I hope the entire place would go bananas and there wouldn't be any like xenophobic bullshit because yeah. that would be incredible. And it would be just enough to get picked up by the right journalist to be like, is Vasquez considering a switch to the Mexican national team and like start this whole panic that, the, that he might only, be moving? The only way that works, though, is if he has scored like 30 goals in between now and that <laughs> Chicago game and he's just on the most ridiculous run of form and he comes out. And like they get like the one of the dudes that plays like the trumpet, like they do at the Mets, and they play him onto the field specifically with like a mariachi yes. band or something like that, yes. and just go full into it, like hailing from <laughs> Tijuana, Mexico. I would fucking love that. Me- holds up a Mexico is my other team. My other team, <laughs> <laughs> Landon Donovan, <laughs> or get Landon to come out, like pay to fly Landon to hold that scarf up as Brandon Vasquez comes onto the field. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, well, I, fuck, I will say, fuck, fuck all them, fuck the national team. My, it, I have officially entered the transfer portal for international <laughs> fandom, and I am opening back up my recruitment as to which country I'm going to root for. I mean, giving your love for Oktoberfest in Germany feels like a natural fit for you there. <laughs> I, I guess, but on the other hand, it's always too soon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I'll say this. If there's any silver lining to Vesca's not being called up, it's that we don't have to see him in that sorry excuse for a uh, for a kit. I'm <laughs> very I, – I'm – I can't wait. I'm sure it's already out there. I, I haven't bothered clicking any any potential link that could send me to a store, but I, I just can't wait to see them trying to charge like two hundred dollars for this fucking plain white Hanes t shirt. Um like coming at, soon. At least to Michael a Jordan your year. Yeah, at least Michael Jordan gave us, you know, the decency of removing the tags so they were comfortable. <laughs> Like, the worst series of commercials ever where we were fighting against bacon neck. Like I have never once heard of bacon neck or worried that I was suffering from bacon neck. It's like the the best example of induced demand ever where it's like I was unaware I had bacon neck this entire time. Was oh, Were no. people not just telling me that I had bacon neck? Is that why I didn't get a second date? Was my bacon neck was showing? <laughs> oh my god! That the shirt. Thank you, are... Michael Jordan, and your Hitler mustache for alerting me to this thing. <laughs> the, the The kits are just they're so bad. Like I don't understand. Like they probably spent years on this. They spent a lot of time. They've had eight years. The copy. Yeah, they've had eight, eight years. years. They've had eight years to come up with a World Cup kit for them to wear. I just here's what I don't understand. I, I said this on on the the Bird app earlier today. I don't understand. So th- it's a Nike kit, which means it was presumably designed at Nike, headquartered yeah. in Oregon. That there is someone or a group of someone's working at Nike that I'm going to presume are Americans or at least living in America right now, probably Americans. Um, and they were given the opportunity to design the kit that their country will wear in the World Cup. Like, 
there, there are people that would volunteer to do this job for free. And I know this yeah. because I've seen how many spec <laughs> kits there are online. There's fucking yes. constantly people posting kit designs. But you're getting paid to design what your country will wear as it takes the field after an eight-year absence for the World Cup. And, like, this is the best you could fucking come up with. Right. That, like, that FC Cincinnati, our, our kit this year, the orange kit, has, like, the print of the Cincinnati flag subtly on the chest by the logo with the C surrounding the badge. More effort was put into this kit by Adidas for one of the most middling soccer leagues in the world <laughs> than Nike put in to designing the kit for the last remaining global superpower. Like, I just, I don't... It was. It's very much a ah fuck it. They'll buy anything that has the badge on it. Like, it's, or it's that your, we forgot the homework was due and we had right. to do it like in two days. You have so many different directions you could you could go with it. You could do like a, just a straight up like callback to you know a classic kit that would that's always fun. You also have the opportunity to be like, wow, America is really a divided nation these days. Like, what is the America Unity Kit look like? And you could play with those themes, or you could play with yeah the the triumphant return to the World Cup. Do you not mimic the the nineteen ninety kit? And I I I don't know the nineteen ninety kid off the top of my head and maybe that's what they did but you know we took a, a nice big gap from 1950 to 1990 for the world cup do you not try to emulate that and that's what you say you're, you're evoking the spirit of, of storming back into the tournament uh there's just so many different ways you could have gone with this and they just went with like it's genuinely a white t-shirt with red and blue a little bit on the shoulders and like a half circle blue on the on the front chest. It's, I a template, assume... it's a template they use for training kits for Tottenham and for yeah. I think for uh, Real Madrid or some other fucking club. It's like and it's a template. Your your local U8 club. Like this is something they take off the rack. Ugh. It's just it's lazy. And it's, I hate this clean aesthetic. Oh, it looks so clean. It's boring. Yeah. It's boring. Yeah. It's dull. It it could have been designed in 20 minutes. And just with all yeah. this, with all the time they had and with as important as this is to so many people. And here's the other thing too, that, okay, I get that like they want to use templates to save money or whatever it is. If you charge 20 bucks more for the World Cup kit and it was beautiful, everyone would fucking pay it. Everyone yes. would pay it. Like, this is one of those truly things where it's like money really is no object here. People will buy this kit if it looks nice, if it's cool, if it says something. Like, there is so much about this fucking country. And I, I didn't even think about that part of, like, you know, people are at each other's throats. Like, we, we're tearing this country down at the seams. We've right. got people flying migrants to other parts of the country to try and troll the opposing side of the political aisle. We, there are so few things to not to get you know sentimental but there's so few things that we really all get behind anymore right but like in november this will be a thing where finally in november there will be something that's uniting us and not fucking dividing us at the seams and like there could have been something so cool that you did that just like hey we're still a neat country when we all come together and instead we get a hanes beefy tea with a with a color with a red colored collar or a blue colored collar it's just Ugh. and then the the audacity to put a statement out there like everyone right. will love it when we win it's like you fucking dickhead right yeah no and and no like no people can still hate the shirts even though you win like i don't know if the 
I, I just I don't buy that argument uh, in the least bit. But yeah, there's just like so many other ways that this could have gone, or just like what if? Hear me out. I know this might be sacrilege. What if you just made like a really cool fucking shirt that only the players got to wear, and then everybody else got like your other versions of it, like the dumbed down versions of it, right. like the replica. What, Right. Like you can like flex your design, uh, you know, skills on the team, but you still want to like sell the streetwear on the side. Like you can do both. Like there's you, no rule saying you, you can't the, do both. You might know the answer to this. Uh, we should probably ask a lawyer, though. Um, if you uh, submit a Freedom of Information Act request to U.S. soccer, are they a, are they enough government, government quasi government agency or government funded that they have to answer questions? Because I, I really want to know how long this design process took right. and like what the rejected designs were like what were the things you said no to at Nike before <laughs> settling on a white t-shirt with a stupid ugly centered crest right over the center of the jersey looking all dumb like what were the things that you said no to and how much right. worse were they than this and like like we said we missed the last world cup so you could have just reused whatever you were planning to do for that World Cup. What if I, these I, were that? What if these were the ones that they just had? What? How mad would people would you be like, <laughs> over if it turns out they didn't even use this time to design anything, and this is what we were supposed to get in two thousand eight? Oh my god! Or what was it? Two thousand and uh, tw- uh, no, uh, what year? Eighteen. Is it? Yeah. Eighteen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, just absolutely brutal. Um, no, to your question, U.S. soccer, this is funny. Uh, U.S. soccer is an entirely a uh, private entity, but this gets at the heart of a lawsuit that is still out there from the NASL against U.S. soccer challenging their regulatory authority at all, asking why on earth were we taking any rules from this governing body. They have absolutely no standing whatsoever to tell us how we can or cannot operate as a soccer <laughs> league. So <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll see. I, I, it does make you wonder though, if we don't need a, uh, a department of sport uh, in the White House, and we can we can govern baseball, and we can divide up all the different sports into various legal monopolies and, and govern them that way. But uh, yeah, I think the only it. way that we could really settle this and make everyone you know really is we need we need the president to weigh in on this and just say what's up with these kits, which will be guaranteed to make half the country <laughs> love them and the other half hate them, which. As opposed to everyone hating them right now would be a positive for U.S. soccer. I, I mean. Isn't that wouldn't that be the political play? Is just to find like things Americans are currently united on, and then to just take their side publicly on Twitter. Like <laughs> the U.S. men's national team deserve better kits, and so do the women. I, the women's <laughs> kit is also equally awful. Like the they did not. It does not appear that they considered the fact that they were going to have to put the World Cup winners patch on the women's kit, and they just it slapped off to the side very awkwardly next to the. <laughs> centered crest it looks so bad like center, it might be worse cr- than the men's the centered crest is just an abomination it should just be done away with i don't know there's yeah. no reason for the centered crest to exist the numbers are already on the center you don't need a centered crest too it's just design wise it's a nightmare i i don't know if we've seen a kit with numbers i did see a mock-up that put numbers in i think it was blue or black uh in a nice thick chunky font inside of a circle it was like a throwback to a 1950s kit it it looked marginally better then but 
I, I don't know if that's actually what we'll end up getting. So just awful. I'm not yeah. buying bucket. I'll wait till it comes no. out to TJ Maxx next week. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that's a, uh, DH gate purchase all the way. Um, I don't even think it's worth the DH gate price. Like what's that? Like $18 unit cost. I don't even think it's worth 18 bucks, <laughs> but 18 bucks, but you'll get it just in time for the next world cup. That's how, now, although what, <laughs> All right, so you get that jersey, but you put the number on the back as 22, but the name is DH Gate, just to emphasize the fact that you got it at DH Gate. <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, I was already looking at Me- Mexico's got some pretty slick kits, which is also very insulting given how bad USA's is. Um, I mean, I might put a 22 Vasquez on there. You know? <laughs> All right, so you get the 22 Vasquez in Mexico. I'll get the. I say DH gate, but I'm really just going to get Harambe 69. Like I feel like that's the way to go with this. Ba- as bad of a kid as this is, this is yeah. this is how you go. No, that's that's a you got a Harambe this one for yeah, sure. No doubt. <laughs> uh, the the only other thing we've got written down here, I think this is a very real concern. Uh, do we run the risk of Matt Miazga and Jeff Cameron staying at RSL? Or I think it's Colorado. I forget. Uh, given now that the the stadium's name, no, it is RSL. It is given RSL. Now that the stadium's name is uh, America First Stadium. <laughs> Speaking of things that unite us as a country, <laughs> <laughs> just I, so it's it's named after America First Credit Union. Why not for- call it America First Credit Union Stadium? Why? Why? You have to know what you're doing when you shorten it that way. I have to assume uh, the CEO of America First Credit Union has certain politics that is getting a kick out of America First Stadium. <laughs> That's the only way this makes sense. A yeah, statement in a predominantly conservative stadium in a predominantly conservative Mormon part of the country named America First. Yeah. Could yeah, be interesting. It, <laughs> it's supposed to be a big deal for them, though. It's supposed to be one of the, uh, what does I see, top three, top five uh, most valuable stadium naming rights deals. That is, I mean, it's quite a pull you should, for RSL. You should see how many followers they have on Truth Social now that the name has changed. <laughs> Do any MLS teams have an official Truth Social account? <laughs> And why is it the Colorado Rapids? I I, say, I just yeah. <laughs> why is it NYCFC? <laughs> <laughs> they all their fan groups are verified over there. It's so weird. <laughs> wouldn't it be fu- wouldn't it be fucking wild to find out that there is an entire other US soccer Twitter that's on Truth Social? That like I'm always, has like to be, is right? that where all the pro well people win? Is that where like Ben Fast and uh <laughs> and what's his fucking name? Tinfoil Ted, Ted Westervelt. Do you think that they're oh. on true social responding to all this stuff with pro rel for US? And that's where it all went over there. But <laughs> <laughs> like, can you imagine? It'd be like discovering where all the dark matter in the universe is. That like there's an FC Cincinnati. <laughs> official verified account and it's like live tweeting the game on truth social and there's like there's an official msl mls account and alexi lawless is over there like retweeting shit and complaining about yeah. brandon vasquez not making the national team but oh it's all God. on the other side that none of us interact with this is the uh it's the theoretical mirror planet like if there's yeah. another planet earth on the other side of the sun there's there's really no way for us to ever be able to tell Cause, or cause detect it's always it. it's always com- <laughs> blocked by the sun we would never yes. see any art <laughs> it's there's just this whole other universe um 
I guess in a sense, that's big soccer forums. I don't know if anybody <laughs> remembers big soccer. <laughs> They're still out there kicking. It's like, whoa, you guys are still doing this? It's like, I guess that way is more of a time machine. You're going back to the 1500s. Oh, my God, you're still treating colds bet- by bleeding yourselves? This is so weird. <laughs> I bet World Soccer Talk has a has Ooh. a truth social account. Or maybe 443. They were big yeah. into the... They were big into the conspiracy, the anti-MLS stuff. I'll bet they're on World, social. World Soccer Talk is very much the they'll look at like an MLS team getting four million, you know, viewers on a weeknight match and be like, whew, not good for MLS. This could be this could be the end of the league. <laughs> I now God I don't I don't want to I don't want to download Truth Social, but I desperately want to know if there are any professional sports franchises in any league that have their own verified Truth Social account. Just because some marketing guy in a meeting was like, "Hey, we've got to be on all the platforms. We're just not speaking to our entire audience if we limit ourselves to one or two. I mean, stereotypically. There's got to be some NASCAR folks over there. Some, some, I mean, let's go. Brandon was their thing, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know exactly how, like, the driving teams or the drivers. I don't know. I don't know who takes precedent in NASCAR. Maybe some of the speedways. Maybe, like, you know, Talladega or Bristol, the official account has an official truth social account. I'm going to end up downloading this stupid app, aren't I? No. That's <laughs> end, end up on some the FBI post, lists. The, the post <laughs> becomes the first soccer podcast to have a truth social account. Hey, man. We just got to, we, every time we post an episode, we just have to at real Donald Trump just to see if we can eventually get a, pit, a retweet out. Or, I'm sorry, a retruth out of him. A retruth. <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed. If, there, if there's an automatic tool and somebody finds us. <laughs> hey, hey, we're just we're just speaking to the entire audience. We're not playing favorites hey. here. We're going to be on as many platforms. As, we're going to have a Google Plus account, too. Why not? Hey, uh, insurrectionists buy shoes, too. All right. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? Our off-season January 6th episode remains the highest downloaded podcast of the postcast. <laughs> Yeah, Grayson's never coming back to this fucking show, is he? Oh, it's just we're just we're we're not making it terribly inviting to come no. back. Come back, get canceled. You'll have fun. Right. It's neat. <laughs> Enjoy that new job. Speaking of, we should probably get out of here before we get on any more uh, you know, deep web. We start a telegram group or something like that. It gets awful. So Yeah. The uh, the, the official soccer podcast of 16 Chan. <laughs> Oh, God, no, please, no. (laughs) And on that note, fuck Columbus. Fuck Columbus.